Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Two months. Last episode was like in March, in April and May. I was completely off from podcasting in English, at least. What the hell happened? Well, I'll tell you what the hell happened. I went and had a second child. That's what happened. Beautiful baby girl. It's keeping me awake at night and during the day because I'm so tired. I would sleep during the day, but I can't. She's like not digesting properly and stuff. Yeah, so that's why. Um, I knew, uh, I, some of you probably know that uh, I had a second child, but some might not. And you might be wondering, so is this podcast gone? Is it over? No, not if I can help it. And I'll try to help it. Um, I knew I was going to be away for at least a month. Like, obviously, you know, that doesn't really require any kind of explanation. I was hoping I would be back in May, um, but things have been a little bit more challenging than we would have hoped. Things are going back to normal, kind of, a little bit. I mean, as, as normal as things can be when you have two children. But um, I'm hoping that going forward we can do things normally. And that means the return of Pixels, a monthly show where I talk about the news in the video games industry and hopefully give you a little bit of an analysis uh, that is interesting to you. And also uh, summarize everything in case you don't need every single little detail. Um, and of course, this, this month, you know, last week, the E3 of ages ended. Of ages, maybe because it's the last one. Um, that's a pretty big deal. So a bunch of things happened in, in April and May, and I feel like they're not important enough to um, necessarily bring back up right now. But obviously, E3 is a, a big event. It's the biggest event in gaming for the whole year. And uh, it was a very weird one. So I think we're going to go over, for this episode, we're going to go over everything that happened and uh, give you my take on how it might go in the future as well. It wasn't all good, um, but we'll, we'll go over that. And I might talk about a couple of games that I tried and some stuff like that. We'll see how it goes. But E3 was substantial. Like, it was massive uh, in number of conferences. And not necessarily in quality, but we'll get to that. But... Um, the, the the thing is, E3 didn't happen last year, for those who remember. And and you might not really realize because it was there was a lot of conferences online. And this year there was a lot of conferences online, except there was an E3 logo on some of them. And that's basically the only difference. Um, also, some of them felt really forced and like they didn't need to happen. But I guess, you know, E3 was there, so they had to. The, the thing is, 
E3 is, of course, as you know, a physical event. Like it's a trade show where you have a show floor, uh, journalists go to, complain about it, but love it anyway. And they actually see the games and play the games, some of the games at least. And then there are trade deals happening, etc., etc. This year, it was an old digital event. And that's really important because it wasn't at its best um, for, to... to bring value to the ecosystem. And someone uh, is trying to exploit that flaw. That's, of course, Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley, uh, former journalist, now host for many different events. Most importantly, the Game Awards at the end of the year for a few years now. It's kind of the Oscars of uh, gaming, and he's managed to cement his spot in that, uh, well, in that spot. And he's been trying for the past couple of years to basically steal the summer spot from E3. As I mentioned, E3 is not in a great position. Uh, a lot of people have been questioning the event's relevance, the necessity of it. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, there are trade elements to the show, which are important, but a lot of it is a big marketing hoopla, and the marketing hoopla can be done online. So last year, when in the midst of those difficulties, they decided, all right, let's use COVID as an excuse and not have a show this year. Well, half an excuse. Um, Jeff Keighley launched the Summer Game Fest, which is loose branding around a lot of the uh, conferences that are happening in that time period. And quick aside, the reason why this time of the year is important you know, divorced from E3 or Summer Game Fest or anything, is that it's the perfect time to launch a marketing campaign for your game that's coming out in the biggest period of the year, the fall and the holiday season. And this is when these things happen. You, you do a big push before summer, then people go on vacation, and when they come back, they remember the game they've been talking about, you know, big part of the summer. If people, if companies announce the release of the game, like in September, it's too late. The release is almost there, it, the, it's crowded, you don't have the time to establish that mind share. So regardless of how it's called, this period of the year is always going to be important, I think, in, in the gaming industry. And so whether or not it has an E3 branding, it will be there. And Jeff Keighley is betting on the fact that E3 is not going to be able to maintain its hold on the period and that he will be able to swoop in and get the Summer Game Fest marketing, uh, you know, uh, operation and kind of have the big two moments in gaming under his umbrella, which are the end of the year for the Oscars, which he really built up from almost nothing, and the replacement for E3 Summer Game Fest. Now, as I mentioned last year, it was a difficult proposition because there were a lot of conferences throughout the summer. It was like four months, it never ended, and it was diluted. This year, Summer Game Fest is like about a month from early June to early July. And let's be honest, it's essentially E3 in early June and then a grape, <laughs> a few, uh, um, you know, collection of conferences in July. Most notably, EA will have their conference towards the end of July. It might be that there's a PlayStation conference, by the way, uh, coming in the next week or two weeks or three weeks, something like that, because Sony was not at quote-unquote E3. Now, 
I think that um, Keeley managed to uh, cement the Summer Games Fest presence in the shadow of E3 this year. Uh, he definitely was present. He had some of the biggest conferences under that branding, even though they were also E3 conferences. And E3 could lose that battle. They are that weak that uh, just a loose branding could uh, replace them. Now, the reason for this is that E3 needs the conferences and the money that the participants pay to exist. Um, the company that puts together E3 is the ESA, which is a trade organization uh, that most manufacturers and um, and, and publishers are a part of, but again, with the uh, um, with the de physicalization of things, they are deemed more and more relevant, and they're struggling. They're fighting for their survival. But next year, there might be a physical event again, and that is something that Keeley cannot do. Right? He he can't put together a physical event, um, but the ESA is what there is doing that. That's their core uh, competency and, and business and uh, the thing they do, their reason for being. Um, if they, can, they manage to convince the main developers and publishers and manufacturers to be there, which is going to be a struggle because a lot of those companies were already leaving two years ago, three years ago, which is what's prompted the decline of E3. Um, if they manage to do something physical, then they might retain it. But that's a big if. And I think if they don't, they're going to try to keep doing the E3 branding for the this period of the year. But I'm guessing they require money, they require payment for that to happen. Because the that's the structure that the ESA has put together. They get a lot of money from the trade show. And the reason for being of that E3, you know, uh, uh, online is to make them exist. Hence, you know, they need money. Keeley, I'm sure, doesn't need anything. He's just, oh, let's just draft a contract and you put your hashtag on, we put your hashtag on our uh, branding, you put ours on yours and it will be wonderful. And he sells advertising, of course, against his opening night live conference and maybe a couple of other things. And it's a good business to have. It makes more sense to do it like this um, in a digital you know, presentation world. I'm certain that it will be difficult for E3 and the ESA to justify getting lots of money from participants if there isn't a physical component. Um, essentially, it wouldn't make sense at all. We'll see if they manage to make it matter uh, physically, it's, it could continue. Um, a lot of people have expressed the fact that without the physical components, it's a little bit less. It's, the, the big question is, it's less, I, I hope the rain isn't making too much noise. It was super warm for a few days and now the rain has broken, the storm has broken. It's, uh, it, it, hopefully it's like a lovely meditative uh, rain sound on top of my smooth voice but uh <laughs> so where was i e3 um uh, it it's not the same when it's only digital because you don't have the you know first of all the developers don't need to make a demo for their game not all of them would and of course it's a lot of resources you have to put towards making a demo but 
not all of them uh, would, but those who would, would provide a little bit extra to the people putting their hands on it. Um, and that was missing. And not just the fact that journalists could not get their hands on the games, but also the fact that a lot of the presentations were, and we'll talk about this later, uh, a lot of the presentations were just a not playable segment like a cinematic demo. And I was like, okay, that looks good, but what's your game? Um, so we'll talk about this in a second. Bottom line, and I'll move on with this, it could be that E3 stays and we're just on the cusp now. It it could happen if they do it well. It could also be rendered unnecessary. And I think in that case, you know, within two, three, four years, uh, Summer Game Fest will be the branding of that uh, that gamer festival that we're living through. So we'll see how it goes. But the big thing is that the 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 reason i launched into this uh discussion is that the summer game fest was the opening conference and i'll go through most of the conferences so that you get an idea of how it went um some of them very quickly but uh some of them a little bit longer like this one uh it was the opening night uh, Summer Game Fest kickoff live and Jeff Keighley is a kind of a uh, a little bit of a self-important character in the gaming industry but also he uh, can make fun of himself uh, that's kind of contradictory but both are true at the same time and this kind of felt like that um, he's he's fun enough and he makes as I said like there, there were a couple of uh, segments where it was clearly making fun of his whole shtick which was nice to see but overall i think it was a really well put together uh, introduction to that uh, to to the launch of e3 everyone still says e3 even though it's summer games fest in his case oh i forgot to mention uh they were feuding between the esa and him uh, they didn't let him recast the e3 conferences unless he had prior agreements with the developer the developers and publishers and manufacturers which he did. So it was like this petty thing that E3 didn't let him recast the thing, restream. It was it was a bit like they're openly feuding and it was both interesting and silly to see. But yeah, it, it was a good show. Um, it was fun. It was well put together. There were technically no issues. Um, and they he had the thing that matters, um, announcements, you know, games that uh, get people excited. Uh, I noted a few. Um, there was Jurassic World Evolution, uh, a big segment with Kojima presenting Death Stranding, the director's cut coming to PS5. I understand it's coming to PS5, but the title director's cut is a little bit silly, given that, you know, it's Kojima and he does everything himself in his games. Maybe that's even like a commentary on himself. I, it didn't seem like it. That segment was really unnecessary. It was more like, hey, I'm Jeff Keighley. I know Hideo Kojima and I have to put him in everything I do, even when he has nothing to announce. But um, yeah, so there was that Metal Slug tactics game, which uh, got a lot of good reactions from people. And most importantly, Borderlands, uh, which is getting a spinoff, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And that was a big get 
for Keeley. It opened the conference and um, it's a new Borderlands game and a lot of people like it. And the setting, which is in the mind of Tiny Tina, a character from the first one who actually had a DLC in that theme. Um, but it's like she's making up a Dungeons and Dragons-like uh, adventure for the player. And that seems like a fun time. Maybe the mechanics of Borderlands will be tweaked with um, melee combat. And that could be interesting. Mm. And the second big thing, obviously, one of possibly the biggest things of the show, that was a huge get for him, uh, for Kiwi, I mean, was the introduction of Elden Ring. We didn't see a lot, but it was a trailer, and that game had been announced like three, three years ago. And every presentation from anyone, a big part of the internet was like, so are we going to see Elden Ring? Are we going to see Elden Ring? Please show Elden Ring. When is Elden Ring coming? And that has been our life for the past three years in the gaming community. Um, of course, a From Software game, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, um, lots of fans of those uh, games and that genre, but also a collaboration with George R.R. R. Martin, um, which gives this a little bit uh, even more visibility. I have to say, the trailer looks interesting. It feels a little bit like last gen, uh, good looking last gen, but still last gen. But more importantly, it really feels like Dark Souls. Like, it, it, it wasn't immediately apparent what George R.R. R. R. Martin is bringing to the table. Um, you know, with the, the, the looks of that universe seem extremely Dark Souls-y, but even the themes that we, you know, it was like a two or three minute trailer, so we don't see everything. But the themes, it's like, oh, rise, tarnished, and this world is grimy, and horrendous, like, flesh creatures roam the land. And it's like, okay, this is Dark Souls. Um, it's going to be a little bit more open, which is interesting. But regardless, it was a big deal that he got that uh, announcement. So good for you, Jeff Keighley. I'm happy you're making your way in this world. All right, let's move on to smaller conferences for a second. Um, I do want to touch on the Koch Media conference. Uh, Koch Media is a big uh, conglomerate in Europe, in Germany, and they do a lot of things, including video games. They already have a number of labels. Um, I think Deep Silver, Deep Silver is the, the best known, uh, but they are launching a new label called Prime Matter. And they made a, a big hoopla about this and wanted to introduce that label with a, a bang. And uh, wow, it did not go well. They were ill-prepared. It was unprofessional. Um, they had a presenter who, poor her, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't her fault, but she was like off-center uh, in the frame and she was reading off a prompter and it, she was trying to, they were trying to piece together interviews that were very clearly done asynchronously. And it, and, and the writing of the answers from the developers were like, press release like you don't write even, even if you want to write answers for someone that you know so they know what to say you don't write it like you write a press release and you hire a production uh director who knows how to produce a video event it was oh my god it was horrendous it was one of the worst things i've seen at e3 and i've seen some horrible things um and it's a big 
company and it's a big publisher. So I'm sure they will be back next year and they will do things a lot better. But the, the worst part of it wasn't just that. They had, uh, according to them, 12 games to show and they showed nothing for most of those games. Like when I say nothing, not even screenshots for many of them. And still they had the developers talk for 10 minutes about almost like it was really uninteresting interviews and half of them were so um what does our new label prime matter bring you uh in your daily developer life and they're like oh prime matter is it's a great thing to be part of the prime matter family and uh they give us resources that we like the the most generic horrendously written thing and what I do want to say is that it is extremely important to have a good publisher. Like, this is not just marketing. It is a resource and a help that you need, especially when you're an indie developer. You could make interviews that would be really interesting showing what those aspects of the business bring to small developers or mid-sized developers. That was not that. Um, horrendous, horrendous. I've already spent too much time on Koch Media, but... Oh my god, and they were saying like, oh, we're going to stream three times a week, starting next week. You're going to stream what? Oh, I... <sighs> anyway. All right, uh, I'm, I'm still in shock at that, that thing. And I'm not even mentioning any of the games from there. That's how uninteresting it was. Um, IGN Expo was, you know, it's IGN, big publisher, big, uh, I, no, sorry, not publisher, big uh, publication. Um, and it was two guys, fun, silly jokes, uh, presenting games, a few of which were actually pretty interesting. Um, one of them, unpacking, is something that caught my eye. It's about moving stuff out of boxes when you've moved houses and it sounds dumb but I've played the demo actually and uh, it is a surprisingly touching way of telling a story um, you live through like they describe the person who's moving through the objects that they own and that they take with them through different stages of their life um, really chill fun little indie game called Unpacking. Um, there was also Tunic, which also has a demo I'm a little bit less into. It's a, you play as a fox in a Zelda-like game with uh, Dark Souls elements of difficulty. Everyone's fawning over this. I don't get it. I think it's fine, but it's not my thing. Um, they showed Steel Rising as well, um, which is the new game from Spiders, the company be behind Greedfall. It's essentially an army of uh, automatons helping Louis XVI during the um, French Revolution, which is, we still haven't seen any gameplay, but that's a, a fun premise. And it's not the first time we're seeing it, I think, but it was an extended um, trailer. Anyway, IGN Expo, it was fun. Happy to uh, watch through it. It was fine. Tribeca Game Show, uh, sorry, Game Showcase was also, it was actually one of the best conferences, um, as you can expect from Tribeca, which is, uh, you know, uh, there's, it, the, 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 that showcase was an offshoot from the film festival, uh, from the festival in general, and all of the games showcased there were, had something to do with cinema. Uh, whether it's the background of developers who came from animation or uh, using stop motion like 
visuals to show your game in Harold Halibut. Um, a number of different aspects. But even more importantly, they sent professional crews to the develop developers and had them film really interesting behind-the-scene uh, elements and conversations. Tribeca, Tribeca Game Showcase was a beautiful uh, thing and a pleasure to, to watch. It was really, really uh, a, a good show. You know, smaller games, it wasn't the big AAAs, but it was really fun. Uh, of course, I noted uh, Kenna, Bridge of Spirits, which we've known about for a while, but uh, is is has been showcased a little bit more. Incredibly beautiful animation. This is a PlayStation Five exclusive coming in a few weeks now. I think maybe it's been pushed to uh, to the fall. Um, but the, the animation is Pixar quality. I know this is something that we hear a lot um, in the you know when we talk about games, but really this is like Pixar. <laughs> it's it's really good. Uh, and Harold Halibut is the stop motion style game that I uh, mentioned earlier, which um, was everyone was fawning over as well. Again, not really my thing, but it's an interesting premise. Um, your Harold Halibut, I believe that's the character you play. And you are in a spaceship that's fled Earth and uh, that has been, you, you were born on that spaceship, so you don't even know what Earth is. And uh, you're being told that uh, you can go back to Earth, but your, your engines are broken, essentially. And you're the maintenance person on the ship. It's weird, cute, um, endearing. Um, so that's something to keep an eye out for if it speaks to you. Devolver is always a company that I look forward to seeing their uh, showcase, especially because they go so crazy. In the first few years, it was a caricature of marketing that I think didn't hit. With me, it was a little bit overdone and I didn't find it very funny. But in the past few years, I don't know if they've changed or if I've changed, but God, I think it's so good now. It, it is really well written, incredibly well acted. It's like a short movie where they insert. Um, it's a short movie where they make fun of the industry while being part of the industry. And um, it is very special. If there's one showcase I'd recommend you watch, I would say it's the Devolver one. Um, they were promoting the Devolver Max Pass Plus, which is a subscription service for Devolver, which is free. And essentially, you just give them your email. Um, that's the joke but it was it was really well done and there were some really fun games uh showcased there not all of them um new many of them not new but um there were also some interesting uh tidbits i think trek to yomi is one that caught a lot of people's eyes it's a um it's a platformer not even platformer like side scroller and it's in feudal japan in black and white and it's got incredible style um i don't know how well it's going to play but it looks crazy good obviously very uh uh you know samurai movie inspired but um yeah it's it, it is one of the games that people were talking about in that uh <clears throat> oh geez i have two children um <laughs> in that uh, context from that conference. I also want to mention uh, Death Throttle, which is coming out on Switch, but only as a physical cartridge. It's not going to be available on the store. 
So that's kind of a fun twist on it. I think the game is coming out on other platforms uh, digitally as well. So um, yeah, it's just that's just a fun thing. All right, there there were other games there, but I'll move on. Um, Ubisoft Forward, I think, um, was okay as a conference. It, it wasn't, you know, there weren't any huge crowd pleasers. Uh, most of the things, well, maybe I'm being unfair. Most of the things we knew, but they also presented Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which was unfortunately spoiled by Nintendo, who put it on the store in one country a few hours before. So we knew it was coming. It would have been a, a fun surprise if we hadn't known. Um, but so that's the sequel from the initial game, Mario Plus Rabbids. What's the name? Um, I can't remember. The, the tactics game that came out on the Switch uh, at launch in 2017. And we didn't know it was coming. So that was, that was fun. Um, there was a big presentation of Rainbow Six Extraction, which is actually a really interesting title. Beyond the fact that, you know, it's uh, Tom Clancy and Aliens, which is weird for Tom Clancy, Rainbow Six based, you know, it's basically SWAT. That's the theme for uh, Rainbow Six, but... Okay, um, the, the thing is they're taking a lot of the assets and, and engine uh, from Rainbow Six Siege, which has been hugely successful in the multiplayer uh, area. And they're saying, I mean, multiplayer, um, multiplayer competitive, and this is co-op. And they're making something co-op with the same engine. So it's addressing a different crowd. I think that that is interesting. It's coming September 16th. Um, and, uh, the big drop at the end of the, of the conference was the Avatar game, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which didn't, you know, it didn't really, it wasn't received very well. I think the problem is it is Avatar is a bit long in the tooth and the sequels, which are supposedly coming out soon, maybe next year, I guess, um, aren't here yet. So, and most people don't even know what the status is with those films. So it was like, oh, okay, an Avatar game. Like, the film has been out 12 years now, so it feels a little bit, you know, it's not the freshest thing. So um, maybe it will be fun, but also, again, we didn't see much. This is another game that we saw with a big cinematic trailer, and we know nothing of the game. It seems like it would be, a, a, you know, very um, ripe for, for, you know, it would be perfect for an open world game. And Ubisoft certainly makes a lot of open world games. But it was like, okay, we will have to wait and to know more about this thing. Coming out in 2022. Um, big, of a lot of stuff on Far Cry 6 and the DLC where you can play the bad guys from the previous Far Cries, which is an interesting idea, but... Yeah, that's let's I'll I'll go over um to another conference. Although I will mention Rocksmith Plus, which is a subscription service to actually learn how to play the guitar. You use your phone to to detect to listen to your guitar and uh you can actually, it will tell you what to do, how to do it, etc., etc. Uh, Rocksmith, the, the original one from 2010, I think, 2011, um, was like that, but without, of course, the, um, the, the, the actual ease of use because you couldn't have your phone listen to it and send the signal to your console or, you know. So it was, that being said, I've been using an app called Musician, U as in you and Musician, and it does exactly that. It's also a subscription service. Um, 
So these things uh, work. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's move on to another one of the ho horriblest uh, <laughs> showcases. Gearbox. Oh, my God. So first of all, Randy Pitchford, the CEO of Gearbox, is creepy as hell. Uh, he might be a nice guy. He makes my skin crawl. And half of the presentation, I'm exaggerating, but almost, was him on the set of the Borderlands movie showing how he knows Hollywood people and showing nothing about the movie and giving us no interesting information about anything. It was just him going like, oh my God, look, it's Kevin Hart. Can we say hi to Kevin Hart? Oh, hey, Kevin, how's it going, Kevin? And it's, oh my God, Randy, stop. And no one, you know, he's the boss. No one can tell him not to do this. Ugh. All right. Um, there was one thing which I thought was interesting. Um, well, first of all, Godfall, the PS5 exclusive, is coming to PS4. Wasn't It was a badly reviewed game, so I don't think it's going to, you know, it's not a huge deal. But the fact that the PS5 exclusive is coming to PS4, to previous gen, is kind of a weird thing. Um, they talked about Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which had been showed at the the opening with Jeff Keighley, as I mentioned, and they didn't show anything else. So they didn't show gameplay. They did, So again, it was like, uh, okay, we've seen the trailer and you're slicing it up and showing it again with unsubstantial dev interviews. Why are you doing this? Um, and they, there was one game which I think we had seen somewhere else, which is Tribes of Midgard, which looks somewhat interesting. It's coming out July 27th, so it's not too far off. Um, but it, it looks like a, a mix between Diablo, a survival game, and Valheim, like, um, you know, the, the uh, Viking uh, survival thing, except it's view, it's uh, uh, isometric view. And you can play with your friends and a bunch of people on the server. It looks interesting. I don't know what to make of it yet, but it looks interesting. But over, it's called Tribes of Midgard. But overall, this is one of those conferences, and there's going to be a few others, um, where you were like, why were you there? That was like, oh, it's E3. We have to be present and we have to show stuff, but we don't have anything to show. So, but we're going to be there anyway, and it's going to be tedious. So, and on top of that, it was cringy as frick. Horrible presentation. Sorry, Gearbox. I love all of you humans who work there, except maybe Randy P Pitchford. I don't know. He gives me the creeps. But it was bad. Uh, Gorilla Collective is a collection of uh, random indie developers who come together and make a presentation for their games. A lot of fun stuff there. I think it was a really good presentation. Um, the Wholesome Collective was also there, which also showcases uh, Wholesome Games, as the name implies. I don't think, you know, this is the show to go over all of the games that they showcased. Um, I will mention a couple, but generally in the presentation, it was fun. They knew what they were doing, um, didn't overstay their, their welcome. It was really good. Um, the one game I'll, I'll mention, I, I will mention Kitsune Tales because of the music, which can I, can I play the music? Maybe you can, maybe you can play the music. You'll, we'll see if you can 
hear it. Let's see. Uh, it's so cute. I mean, oh, I should this. Kitsune Tales. It's a cute looking um, like pixel graphics game that is going to be on Kickstarter. Uh, it's a platforming game where you play foxes with different powers, uh, but the music just got to me. Um, I'm sure it was annoying to you, but hey, it's my show, so you got to listen to 30 seconds of Kitsune Tales. Um, the, the other game that I want to mention is Hoa which is one of two or three games that are clearly inspired by Studio Ghibli um, graph like graphical style. And this, this looks really good. It's another platformer. Um, and it looks really good. And it looks extremely Ghibli-like. Um, it's just a, a good-looking thing of which I know nothing about other than it looks good. And uh, that's enough to pique my interest. I think there's a lot of those games that, you know, we often say this, but there's so much on offer um, that it's super hard to get your to 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 get your game noticed. And in those presentations, you have two minutes in the middle of seven days of craziness to pique. The viewer's interest and sometimes just the style the graphical style is is enough and that was the case here another thing i want to mention about this uh, presentation and a bunch of others the importance of the wish list cannot be overstated every game was telling you wish lists on steam now like this is a tool that they use that they they if they have a lot of wish lists, it gives them opportunities with publishers, with Steam itself. Everyone was encouraging you to wish list their game. It was really interesting because I, it wasn't as much the case in in previous uh, in previous years. So it was really interesting to see. Um, other games, Origami 2 looked interesting from that presentation. Bullets Per Minute, which is a rhythm-based first-person shooter, is coming to consoles. It was on PC already. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Burgers, uh, what's the name of that game? Happy Humble Burger Farm is a completely crazy uh, fast food management simulator that veers into our movie somehow and we don't understand how that works um there's also arcade paradise which has you you know there's a lot of those management games um like what's the name of that thing house flipper and there's a beer bar one um there's a bar one and there's a microbrewery one that's coming up um there's a lot of those games and there's one about arcade uh arcades that's coming up but it also seems like 
there's something weird about it. Unmetal is essentially a love letter to Metal Gear, um, the original one, not Solid, which is interesting, and a bunch of other other things. Um, so many games. One thing I didn't mention at the beginning of the show is how many games were presented. I have a, a notes document that has like 200 lines, uh, more than 200 lines of games, and there were hundreds of games presented, like multiple hundreds of games presented so yeah that was that that is substantial so i'm not obviously not going to go over everything upload vr is still doing their um their uh, vr showcase which a few months ago i would have said is kind of doomed to disappear but Sony is going ahead with PlayStation VR 2, and rumors say it's coming out uh, at the end of next year, 2022, which is sooner than I think many people would have guessed. But that's just a rumor, so it might not be the case. Um, so I think if Upload VR can hold on to this presentation, um, obviously they're not going to get the big games from PlayStation once they announce the, the, the VR thing. They'll keep those for their conference. Uh, but I think it will reignite the interest in VR as a whole. And I think Upload VR is now well-known enough uh, during that week that people will pay, pay attention to that conference as the VR conference. So, But aside from that, honestly, not a lot to, to talk about. Like, people who are into VR are going to think this was awesome or interesting. People who aren't already into VR aren't be convinced by this, aren't going to be convinced by this. All right, the big one, the big one, Xbox slash Bethesda. And by the way, it's interesting that they mentioned that they have Bethesda in the name, even though Bethesda is now part of Xbox. It shows that they're um, like they, they want the branding to be separate, which I thought was interesting. Um, before we even get into the conference itself, there was a marketing push a week before, a few days before, um, with a couple of really interesting pieces of information. First of all, Microsoft is pushing the Xbox One X, sorry, the Xbox Series X hardware in their cloud uh, servers. So until now, it was Xbox One X versions of games that we would play in stream on the the streaming um, part of of uh, the Game Pass. Now, well, soon it will be Xbox Series X. That's a big change. Because, of course, graphically it's going to be nicer, but also you get fa faster charging times and the newer titles as well. So that is really interesting. And actually, for some games, they're going to be using this as a way to get the games to Xbox One consoles. So that's really interesting. And uh, streaming is coming to Xbox Series consoles and Xbox uh, One consoles as well uh, and coming out of beta soon. And they are making, like, streaming sticks like HDMI sticks that will make it easier for anyone to get uh, into that uh, the streaming future and partnering with smart TV manufacturers to um, do that as well. So overall, the streaming future is going to be a part of um, our gaming habits soon. Well, at least on the Xbox side. But the conference itself, they presented, they showed Starfield Again, with a cinematic trailer only, which was a bit disappointing, but the cinematic trailer was in-engine, which was pretty cool. So 
back, uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Starfield is the next big game from Bethesda. It's been described as Skyrim in space, which is exciting, but the cinematic trailer means we haven't seen anything about how it will actually work. It will also be um, Xbox exclusive. It will come out on PC. The, what it means is it won't come out on PlayStation, which is really fun because Microsoft has been... <coughs> oh, sorry. Speaking too much. Mm. Need to drink a little bit. Um, Microsoft has been pushing this idea that, oh, we love everyone. We want to be on every console. Exclusivity is bad, which has been, you know, recited by um, Xbox fans, fanboys and fangirls. And of course, now they're getting back to exclusivity because that is how you push a platform. Um, and that was interesting to note. It's likely that the biggest games from the Xbox studios are going to be exclusive to, well, Xbox. And there was a question there for a second. There would have been a path to make it not exclusive, but they've made their decision. Um, the other piece of information, of course, was it's coming out uh, November 11, 2022. So in a year and a half. But it's coming. I would not have bet that it was coming out in a year and a half. Actually, it might still get pushed. So <laughs> we'll see. But um, yeah, Starfield is going to be a big game for Microsoft in a year and a half. Big Bethesda adventure game. That's a, a, a fan pleaser. They also showed Halo Infinite in a somewhat disappointing way, I think. Um, they confirmed the rumor that the multiplayer is going to be um, free to play, which is big, of course, really big. But, and, and that is coming out in 2021, but they completely didn't talk about the single player, which was the big concern on their last showcase. Um, and that had everyone going like, wait, what is this game? What, is, what, are, what are you doing? And they pushed the game a year and now they didn't, they, they can still show the single player um, before it comes out and maybe it's, it's become great, but I really feel like okay, maybe they're pushing multi and uh, the single player is a, an afterthought. I, it, that, the way of present, pres, presenting it got me concerned. Um, the other big drop is Forza Horizon 5, which is coming this year on November 9. It takes place in Mexico. There's going to be a new campaign mode, but Forza Horizon is the arcade racing game of uh, Microsoft of the Xbox, and it is really, really well done, and this one looks stunning, really incredible, and we didn't have a, uh, there was no leak, we didn't know it was coming, uh, they presented the latest, uh, the next Forza Motorsports, which is the more simulation-y um, version of that title, but it's coming, uh, clearly it's coming uh, later than Horizon 5, so I'm looking forward to that, and of course, um, you know, the, the elephant is in the room is Game Pass. Everything, like 90% of the games they presented are going to be on, in Game Pass. And we've been saying, everyone in the industry and everywhere has been saying that Game Pass is the best deal you could ever dream of in gaming. And this was an even bigger push in that direction. It's an incredible, incredible deal. Um, and all of these games are coming to Game Pass. Um, there, there were, so let me give you a few other titles that are coming to Game Pass. Back for Blood, the Left for Dead wannabe sequel, 
coming to Game Pass. Hades, when it's coming to PlayStation and Xbox, is coming to Game Pass on, on Xbox, August 13. Um, Yakuza 7 is on Game Pass. Um, they, I, there's, there were a number of other games um, that I could mention. There's, they announced uh, Asobo mentioned a Plague Tale Requiem coming to Game Pass. Replaced, really weird pixel art indie game coming 2022 on Game Pass. Contraband, the latest game from Avalanche Studio, of which, again, cinematic trailer. We don't know anything about the game, but it's coming to Game Pass. Um, Outer Worlds 2, obviously coming to Game Pass. Stalker, Stalker 2 coming to Game Pass. So many, like many Bethesda um, and id games. It's it's crazy. Like Game Pass, it's like you're losing money if you're not subscribed to Game Pass at this point. And I do want to mention Redfall, the latest game from Arcane Austin, the ones that made Prey. It's not the ones that make Dishonored. That's a French uh, part of Arcane, but coming summer next year 2022 we don't know much about it either but at least the cinematic cinematic trailer showcased a um a little bit it seemed of the the gameplay it's a four-player co-op shooter again left or dead like um that is in a world where vampires are a thing and you have to fight them and defeat them seemed fun enough again cinematic trailer we have no idea what the game actually looks like again this is a thing that is common in this uh in this version of e3 but it it looked really interesting and it's going to be on game pass so nothing to 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 lose bunch of other things overall really strong showing by uh microsoft and i think for most people it was the conference of the show and uh, i think deservedly so and game pass comes out as the one killer thing from their conference. Um, Square Enix presents. Yeah, that didn't go so well. Square Enix had a presentation where they did have new things to show, but it seemed none of them showed well. Uh, they showed the new Guardians of the Galaxy game, which I thought was cool. I thought the presentation was cool. Maybe a little bit long, but I'm also a Marvel zombie, so... I was into it. A lot of people thought it doesn't look good. It doesn't look interesting. It seemed samey. Okay. I thought it was fun. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it was well-written and funny. And it's a single-player experience, unlike Avengers, so they don't have to stretch it. I think it could be fun. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be the game of the year, but I think I'm going to have a good time playing it. And it's coming out this year, um, this fall, at some point, October, I believe. So that that's fun. They showed Life is Strange True Colors, where they showed uh, Alex's powers of empathy, which are interesting. Life is Strange is always a series about, um, you know, there's inclusiveness and, and feelings and uh, emotion and connection to people. And this one has uh, the main character, Alex, able to sense the feelings of the people she's talking to and influence them in a way. And this is represented pretty in a pretty interesting way. They, the, the people she interacts with have an aura, which is a certain color, and she can push it to uh, grow or, or subside. It, it was an interesting way of, of looking at, uh, you know, of, of putting this idea into a game mechanic. And I'm curious to see where it goes. But then we have Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, which had been kind of leaked. And that is a Dark Souls-like, a Soulsborne-like 
Final Fantasy game, which it looked so weird in that trailer. Sometimes you see the Jap- Japanese-ness of some things and the translation that doesn't quite work. And how do, do they... Th- that's the one you might have seen the memes of chaos, chaos, I want to kill chaos. Where is chaos? I came to find chaos. And it made no sense. And he said chaos a million times and he was wearing a Gap t-shirt in this fantasy world. It was weird. And then the demo on PlayStation 5 was downloadable immediately, but didn't work for 24 hours. 24 hours means, you know, it's nothing. But in the middle of E3, it's a very long time. You would launch the game and it says, data corrupted, redownload it. You redownload it, same thing. How do you, how do you let something like that happen is beyond me. Anyway, Stranger of Paradise. Turns out it's, it's actually, it plays pretty well, actually, it seems. Um, so that was really too bad. And they also showed Babylon's Fall, which is a platinum game game. And uh, it's it was shown a few years ago. And it was, you know, standard Bal- uh, uh, platinum game, action game. And uh, they changed it to a multiplayer co-op live service game. And a lot of people were upset about this. Um, I I think it would be interesting to see what platinum does in that area. I'm surprised that so many people... Like, we get Platinum games all the time. We have many of them. I'm not upset that Platinum is trying something different. I think the assumption is, oh, they're doing it because it's a market, it's a business decision. And maybe it is. But I'm, I'm still curious to see what they do with it. Um, the game did look a little bit less fancy than platinum games usually look from a gameplay perspective first of all but also the art style it does not show well in a video it might be that the game itself when you have it in front of your eyes looks gorgeous but it's got like painted colors aspect which on video looks like compression artifacts everywhere and that's not great (laughs) and everyone was like "Ooh, what is this Um, So that was overall not a great presentation for Square Enix. And it's one of those that um, you think maybe you should not have made a presentation. PC gaming show, I'm not going to go over very long. Shunplot, a little bit awkward. I think a little bit endearing. They don't have big games to to show um, because they get the scraps. But some people enjoy the details on some of the games, the niche e-games that are showcased there. And they're soldiering on. I think it was less than an hour, so at least they've they've learned that lesson. Um, Yeah, so I thought that was not the best, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, And then the last two were Capcom, which, to their credit, said we're only showing these games. So nothing new. The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, Monster Hunter Stories 2, and a little bit of Rise, and uh, something for Resident Evil as well. Um, and they said, we're, you're not seeing anything else. So at least we knew. But yeah, it was, it was unnecessary, I think, is the sentiment I got from most people about that one. We did learn that they're doing a DLC for Resident Evil 8 Village, where they said, oh, the game sold well, so we just started work on a DLC, which is a bit weird, but okay, maybe. Um, Aside from that, though, unless you're a big fan of of Ace Attorney and want to play the uh, 
the, the Victorian England version that never came out in the West before, uh, there was not much for you to, to check out on that presentation. Which leaves us with the last showcase of that crazy week, the Nintendo Direct, which was probably the second best presentation, you know, expectedly enough. There were a number of announcements, uh, started in a very funny way with Kazuya Mishima introduced into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate in the best way possible, carrying fighters from that game off a cliff and throwing them off the cliff as he does with his various family members in the Tekken series. It's a, you know, dysfunctional family, the Mishima family, but that was really fun. It was a wink to the fans of that series of the Tekken series and they always do this with the characters they add I thought it was very fun but they also had a bunch of other things to announce uh, WarioWare and Mario Party I think can go in the same breath they're fun games I'm sure they're not gonna you know change the world um, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is coming out November 12 which again has its fan very Japanese game you know it's the precursor to Persona and I think that the, the, the wide-reaching game, the more, um, uh, uh, more consumer-friendly game is Persona. Shin Megami Tensei is very Japanese. I think the public for that game is, is, is smaller. Um, we also had a new Metroid, which is a big deal. Uh, Metroid 5, which is, they mentioned Metroid uh, Prime 4 is still being worked on. This is a 2D Metroid. Metroid 5, called Metroid Dread or you have a runaway element from a monster. Um, it looked, I think, honestly, graphically, it didn't look great. I know some people were happy with it. I, I thought it was very weak graphically. Um, but, you know, it's a Metroid game in the end, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be super happy to, to have that game. And it's also coming out fairly soon, right? It's coming out this, um, this year. Let me check out the date. Um, ah, I can't find it. Damn it. Okay, I can't find it, but it's coming out this year. And um, that that is making a lot of people happy. And that's great. But it's not... Like, Metroid Prime 4 is going to be a bigger deal than, than this. And they also announced it in a way that, that shows that. Um, oh, quick mention, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I just mentioned in the Square Enix Presents, is also coming to Switch through streaming. So streaming is going to be a bigger part of the Switch, um, you know, the Switch library, I guess, in the future. There's been some other games available through streaming, but uh, it seems like this is going to be happening more and more. If you don't have another way of playing games and you have a good enough connection, this will be decent, you know, and it's improving all the time. And the last thing, which was big, of course, is the trailer for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel, which they're not calling Breath of the Wild 2. It will have another title, which they don't want to reveal, because it will be, um, it would give away too much about the game. Uh, but it's coming in 2022, or at least that's their target. They're being very careful about this. And the trailer was very short. I think the, the, the actually showcasey part was like 40 or 50 seconds and but it still showed a lot for fans to get excited about and speculate about and that was in stark contrast with all the other trailers we've seen that i mentioned especially um on uh, at microsoft 
where we didn't see anything about the game. Here, we saw some things that were intriguing, like Link has kind of a metal a machine arm and there are islands in the sky everywhere and Link can fly from one to the other and there was this moment where he would like reverse time transform into goop that would flow fly up through uh, uh the the concrete the not the, the the stone of the floor on an island and and reform on top of it, it was weird and interesting, and I'm really looking forward to finding out more about that game. Um, and I still think they are going to launch it close to or with a Super Nintendo Switch. And uh, of course, they didn't talk about the hardware this time. Um, it makes sense that they will keep it close to the vest until like, I don't know, a month if they can before release, before it's available. I don't think, you know, supply chains are going to allow for that, but I think they would like to do that. Um, but I think it's still coming. Maybe in 2022, maybe earlier, but I think it's coming and they didn't talk about it because, you know, reasons, and it makes sense. And uh, there were a bunch of other things, but nothing too notable. So that was E3. It was a good show. I think it was good. I think a lot of people were disappointed. Uh, I think it was very, okay, maybe not great. You know, it wasn't great, but it was good. It was decent. There were a number of things to be excited about. Um, it was followed by the demo game fest on Steam and on Xbox, which were really fun. Uh, got to try a number of demos and um, it was it was great. You know, it was a, an E3 where we could all get hyped about gaming together. I think it was better than last year. Um, and by the way, 2022 is going to be insane for gaming. Insane. There are so many big games that are coming out. Um, you know, obviously the ones I mentioned here, there's, uh, Starfield, Super, uh, uh, Elden Ring, Breath of the Wild 2, there's God of War, there's a number of other games. And even this year, a ton of small games that are super interesting. Like I didn't mention half of the ones or a quarter or tenth of the ones that I think are going to be interesting then that we'll see over the next few months. Um, and Game Pass is becoming like a force of nature. It's just a bunch of fun stuff. And I think that E3 was fun. It wasn't just fine. It was good. Not just fine, good. That's my take. All right. I hope you had a good time. I hope you got some information and some insight uh, from all of this. Uh, I hope I can be back next month and uh, we're back on track. And I hope that you are having a fantastic summer and I will talk to you soon. I'm Not Patrick on all the social media. You can find everything I do at notpatrick.com. I love you all. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.